You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And joining me today is a very Natalie dressed and dancing Cole Thompson of Locked on Aggies. Yeah, I dig, I'm digging that you're digging my, my opening <laughs> song, man. That's cool. <laughs> it, listen, it, it's one of those ones that's like you hear every single time that we have to do a Locked on now. So it's like, oh, I just already it. It's a pretty hot beat. That's why it's I chose a good it. Beat. It's it really a is. Really it's a solid one. Beat. Absolutely. I mean, there's very few that actually I don't like by the intros. Like I've like I've heard like I think all of them. I don't think there's one that I really don't like, but that one actually is probably my second favorite. It's a banger without it question. Banger. It's an absolute banger. Well, you know what? Speaking of bangers, boy, we had a banger of a football game between Texas A&M, who you cover, and actually your alma mater. The Alabama Crimson Tide this past Saturday, huh? Zap Calzada got the job done. Frankly, I wish we played A&M a few weeks ago when it looked like he was trying to figure things out. How's he looking right now? You know, what's amazing is, is that it only took a couple of plays for him to kind of slowly get into a rhythm. And I think the biggest thing was that Jimbo Fisher said the entire offseason that this was a battle between him and Haynes King, and it went neck and neck. One of these two could start, but... I remember prefacing way at the start of the season. I did not mind if Zach Calzada won the starting job over Haynes King. I did not mind if Haynes King won the starting job over Calzada. What you had to do was get the offensive line right. You had to find the right five men up front because you were replacing four starters who allowed four total sacks last season. And let me make this very clear. They allowed two sacks to the last place Vanderbilt team that did not get a single win. They allowed one sack to Mississippi State and they allowed one sack against Tennessee. That wow. means Auburn. That means Alabama. That means Ole Miss. Uh, not Ole Miss. They didn't play Ole Miss last year. Uh, that means Arkansas. All these teams that we talk about and how great their defensive lines are, they were able to block them consistently to where they weren't able to get in the backfield. So I really thought that that was a big, big deal, finding and establishing the offensive line. And this was the sixth offensive line unit that Zach Calzada has worked with this season and that AM has produced all year. They went in totally with um, uh, uh, Kenyon Green at left tackle. They actually moved right tackle Blake Trainer to left guard. They had Bryce Foster, the true freshman, starting at center. You had Ruben Fathery, the six foot eight le- uh, right tackle, long term left tackle prospect playing right tackle, and Layden Robinson playing at the right guard position, his natural fit. And lo and behold, guess what happened? Three pressures, zero sacks, one turnover. That was a really bad throw and a miscommunication between him and Anaya Smith. Outside of that, a 300-yard performance, three touchdowns. The Cuban Missile, as we call him here in College Station, was electric just like that. And the kid from Georgia made Texas his home. And more importantly, he will go down in history as just the second quarterback all time to beat Nick Saban during his time at Texas A&M. And the first was Johnny Manziel. We know what happened to him during that run after he picked up the 29-24 victory over Alabama and Tuscaloosa when they were ranked number one. Yeah, well, Johnny Football in attendance for that for that ball game as well. Maybe he was your good luck charm. Who knows? But you never know. Yeah, it seems like yeah, like you say, A and M may have figured out that offensive line group. I know they have a couple a true freshmen in there as well. But yeah, that's a talented group of young men, though, right? I mean, just, these are all pretty highly ranked players. 
Well, Bryce. At Hoffman, least you know high school rankings. I mean, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Layden Robinson was a four star coming out. Uh, if Aki comes back, Aki Oganobi, he was a three star, but a very high end three star, almost a four star. Right. Bryce Foster was one of the more versatile players coming out of Katie Taylor High School, and Ruben Fathery was projected to be a five star. I think he finished at a, like a ninety. 4.8 so right on the cusp of being a five-star talent and coming from richmond texas big big strong son of a gun i mean like that like that's the best way to put him is physical kind of guy it's just about getting acquainted to nf i mean getting acquainted to college speed just like when rookies go to the nfl you got to get acquainted to that kind of speed so it's very similar kind of process and what was amazing is at some point there were four offensive linemen who were true freshmen or first-year starters on that unit, whether redshirt freshmen or uh, actual true freshmen. So for them to be able to pick it up as fast as they did without many live reps is very impressive on its own. But when you have young offensive linemen, you have to be able to give them time to build that repertoire, that cadence, that pressure. They have to be able to kind of figure things out. And unfortunately, for a guy like Bryce Foster, who is a natural guard that plays center because of Injury to uh, Luke Matthews, who will be out for the remainder of the year, did not take a single snap because of an injury he suffered during practice uh, during the fall camp. This now becomes a concern. Like now you need him to step up because of, I'll argue with anybody this, I believe the most important position on the offensive line is the center. Not just because of they need to have a smart IQ, but how fast they need to be able to get the snap off to then get an initial right. block. Those are things that you have to trust internally with the kid. And this is an 18-year-old. This is a true freshman. Like literally... Also, he did not come with other players during the spring. He did not leave and graduate early. He finished his high school and showed up in June and was a starting offensive lineman in the SEC two months later. I mean, that's very unheard of. Like that, that's very unheard of. No matter if it's A and M, if it's South Carolina, if it's uh, if it's Missouri, it's yeah. very unheard of to do in the SEC. I was going to say, people, what, yeah. what is this, Texas? I mean, come on, this guy's prioritizing the prom over spring football. This is unheard of. I, 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 I mean, he's doing a good job at least, or at least he did against Alabama. Right. Which I well, to that point, you know, to that point, you know, Alabama, I thought had to bring pressure to get to Calzada and, you know, into the game there, Calzada throws, hangs in there on a blitz, you know, throws a great deep ball for a touchdown, ends up kind of getting rolled up on, I think maybe by one of his teammates was that a knee? Was that an ankle? Have they said anything? It seemed like he was fine because then on the ensuing drive, you know, he was able to scramble for a first down and everything. But has there been any information about Calzada and his possible injury there? Because it looked a little rough. It really did there at first. So I was actually on the sidelines when the play happened, when they got the touchdown pass to Anaya Smith, and it looked ugly. I mean, when you have help coming off the field by two medical traps. Right. He didn't He didn't come off on his own power. Yeah. No, and you're thinking that he's done. And we're, and we're sitting there and we're like, okay, so Blake Bose, a walk-on right. freshman, is warming up. Having Has never taken stadium. a snap. Yeah. No. no. I mean, walk-on. Right. Walk-on freshman. Never right. taking a snap. Good luck, kid. Have fun. Get out there. And it's like a boxer beating the bell at the last second coming in and saying, I got one more round in me. Calzada comes out. He delivers the first down. He gets two more strikes to uh, Jalen Weidemeyer, and I believe it was Anaya Smith as well, gets the pass interference call. Yep. And then Seth Small. I, I mean, what's so amazing about Seth Small and just the story that I can just quickly tell is that last season on October 10th, they got the biggest win in AM history underneath Jimbo Fisher with the number three upset over Florida. And a, almost a year to the date, they get the number one upset over the number one team in America. It was a 24-yard field goal against Florida. It was a 26-yard field goal against Alabama. Final score of both, 
41-38. The kid does not miss. I mean, it's one of those things that you cannot paint a better picture. And I think for anybody out there who's just a fan of college football, to see his family and to be able to get that shot of his wife and his kid. I actually retweeted dad, that. That was quite the moment. Yeah. It's, it's a moment that is just one of those things that I think if you're a fan of college football, you appreciate. It's not a, I, I'm an Alabama fan. I'm an A&M fan. I'm a, you know, I only root for Giggum or I'm only a roll tie. It's if you are just enamored on what could happen on any given Saturday, especially in the conference where quote unquote, it just means more. To see the true reaction from his wife, uh, uh, Ashley, to see the true reaction from his mom, from his dad, from his little sister, th- th- that, that's something that's never going to go away. That's something that is always going to be enshrined, not just in A&M history, but in the family history as well. So it's it's a wonderful moment, I think, all around. Yeah, I think that's one of those moments. Yeah, you, you see a little bit sort of behind the camera there a little bit, if you will. I think that's why people like hard knocks. You see you see these yeah. real emotions and these real people along with the real players themselves. It, it, that really was a special moment for sure. And, and, you know, like you say, Cole, that was a heck of a football game, and I'm sure you were sweating it out along with everybody in that stadium. So you know what? I've got a tip for all of you. It's called sweat block. Yes, these are sweat block wipes that are doctor created, doctor recommended works for up to seven days per use. Your dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, well, guess what? You get your money back featured and tested on the Rachel Ray show by actual firefighters. So you know what? I'm pretty sure it'll work for armchair quarterbacks like me and coal. So wear what you want. It'll be our little secret. This is a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag. So once again, get it for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. Once again, promo code locked on for 20% off at sweatblock.com. All right, Cole, why don't you take it from there, my friend? I know you've got some questions you'd like to ask me about the Missouri Tigers. I know it's it's a come down after, after playing Alabama, but what the heck? I'm actually kind of counting on that. 11 a.m. kickoff, perhaps the Aggies will be caught sleeping. But you know what, Cole, you take it from here, my friend. Well, let's just start with this. Jimbo Fisher actually came out and said one of the biggest bl- the biggest blunders for this team is going from having a night game with all the intensity to having to wake up at 6 in the morning and get ready to play football at 11 a.m. So you never know what could happen with that. But John, And we're the kings of 11 a.m., by the way. We're used to this at this point. This is John, maybe our third or fourth 11 a.m. game. I'd have to check that, but yeah. We're, we're the Kings of 11 a.m. One all year. <laughs> and and I don't think – if they continue to win, they're not going to have another, but they could. But, John, you won against North North Texas. You won against North Texas. We got to put that – Thank in, God for that. We got to put that in consideration. You were up by, like, 30 at one point, weren't right. you? And yes. uh, what the – happened? I mean, honestly, what the – happened? I got to just ask on that. In the second half, you mean defensively? Just, you know, it's what has happened all season with the Missouri defense has been the real question. I mean, my goodness, the Tennessee game. Now, that was really the what happened. I mean, you give up, gosh, 45 points in the first half. I mean, one of them was essentially on a, on a pick six. I mean, I think they tackled them at the one. But for all intents and purposes, you gave up 38 points to a team that's you know, okay, Tennessee's fine. They're nothing to write home about. Let's be honest. They're in their first year with Josh Heupel. So, 
you know, what happened? I, I wish I knew, quite honestly. I, I think one thing, give North Texas some credit. I think they started running the football with their quarterback more in order to sort of, you know, gain that classic one-man advantage a little bit because unlike against the Volunteers, I thought against North Texas, they, Missouri actually tried to get enough men at the line of scrimmage to – if not outman the out, the guys at the line for North Texas, at least have an even amount and give their really porous run defense a chance. So I think that's what Texas A&M, against Texas A&M, I think that's what Missouri's going to have to do again. A lot of single high safety, a lot of daring, frankly, the Aggies to throw the ball downfield. What worries me is that they are obviously a good running team with Isaiah Spiller, you know, the other kid, the A-chain kid, Devin A-chain, I believe, the good kick returner, too. Good offensive line, and guess what? A good tight end, too. So play-action fakes. Missouri's had a lot of problems at linebacker, too, at that second level. That's, that's what worries me about this football game. So, real fast, Devon A-chain, and I let, Devon, you, have okay. a, I let you have a pass on that because if I'm about ready <laughs> Hey, to I got A-chain right. Got to give I'm me that. I'm about ready to butcher his name, and I do it every single time. But Connor Basilek. Oh, it's Basilek. Yes, Basilek. we're now even. Okay. Now we're even. Now we're, we're even. even. Okay. Listen, That's cool. He's top he's top ten in every single category in the SEC. And he's really almost top five in every single category in the SEC. Passing yards, QBR rating, passer rating, touchdown passes. And he's doing it with not any elite wide receiver play. He's doing it without a true tight end in the red zone. He's really kind of making things out of nothing. And I mean, the biggest way that I can kind of put this into consideration is how they played against a Jeff Hapley defense up in Boston when they faced off against the uh, Golden Eagles. This was a Boston College team that a lot of people had a lot of hype going into the season. And to go to overtime with them, I mean, as a lesser team in the SEC, for at least on paper, it seems, it, it, it shows the drive and the tenacity of what a quarterback can be. And we just saw last week, I mean, Zach Calzada going into any single game would have, if you would have told anybody, I mean, literally anybody, hey, this kid's going to beat Alabama. Okay. And nobody would believe it. So, I mean, what is it about CB? Because I'm just going to go with that at this <laughs> point. What, what is it about CB that just makes him a special quarterback, especially with how he's kind of picked up Eli's offense? Well, you know, that's interesting because – if you ask a lot of Missouri fans right now, they're probably a lot of them are somewhat disappointed with Connor Basilak. And I've been on the train of I'm not sure how fair that is. I'm definitely more to, to your side of the argument. Now, has he maybe been as good as the statistics suggest? Maybe not. I think what's interesting is a lot of Missouri fans, I've seen him be compared to Alex Smith in that, oh, he's just kind of a game manager, this or that. But you know what? I, the more I look back and I do go back and watch basically every snap that he takes after every game. And, you know, when you just focus on, okay, what was the decision that he could have made here? For the most part, it's not, I'm not watching a guy that's afraid to throw the ball, you know, 20, 30 yards downfield. And he had a good deep ball in the previous game. But, you know, I think the quarterback just gets a lot more blame than he deserves when a team like Missouri's off to a relatively disappointing three and three start. You know, I think, we expected to win the games we've won, but the games we've lost, we thought we had a chance in the preseason and we've lost all those swing games right now. So unfortunately, I think Connor's getting a little bit too much blame at the moment. But like I say, for the most part, good decision maker. He is kind of safe with the football, but 
frankly, like most college quarterbacks, if you get pressure on him, he's not going to be nearly as effective. Maybe, but I mean, like, like, just think about this for a quick second. He has over, he almost has 1,700 passing yards. He has a completion rating of over 67%. He's averaging 7.3 yards per throw, which is an average of over the SEC right now. He has a passer rating of 141.4, and he has 12 touchdowns on the year. All those numbers rank in the top 10 when you look at a quarterback. Those are things that you need to be able to win against a team like Texas A&M who has the height. The other thing that you need, and speaking about numbers, is a guy like your running back. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. I know it's Tyler. Tyler Beatty. Yeah, yeah. Beatty. Beatty. Yep. He's averaging 6.2 yards per play. And what's interesting about him is he's going up against the 12th ranked deep, uh, run defense in the SEC. The only two that are worse are South Carolina and you. But the other one is right there along with, you know, what, who it is. It is, of course, Texas A&M. They have struggled stopping the run in the past few weeks. So, what do you make of Beatty and what he can bring to the table? Does he work best between the trenches? Is he a guy who's going to try to take the edge? Is he somebody who has just that home run speed, physicality? What is it about Beatty that makes him a dangerous threat for this defense? Well, in terms of his style of running, you're going to see a lot of outside zone stretch type plays from Missouri. And, you know, he'll cut it up inside the tackles for sure. But what really makes Beatty dangerous is the fact that he's multidimensional. He's an excellent player in the receiving game, especially he's he's a real danger in the screen game, of course, but he can catch the ball downfield, you know, on on a wheel route, that kind of thing too. So to me, that's what makes him a great player. I mean, no doubt he's a, he's a real danger on the ground, but he's just as much of a danger through the air as well. But like I said, you're not going to see a lot of three yards in a cloud of dust style running plays, like not a lot of dives, you know, that type of deal. A lot of zone blocking for Missouri, you know, pulling guards, a lot of what you see really around the country in the running game, quite honestly, these days. Doesn't shock me. And listen, anybody who has the nice speed, anybody who has the nice agility is definitely going to be able to have it. And you want to be able to turn on those wheels. And speaking of wheels, if I may bring this up, you know what? I hate spending money on things that I don't need. And one of the biggest places I do that at is at auto shops. You know why? Because if I have to go order a part that I don't know where to find it, then I have to pay an installment fee, a shipping fee, and of course, a production fee for somebody who can do something that I can do at home. But where do I look? I'll tell you where. You look at rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 25 years. They have everything from engine modules to tail lamps to brake pads. So whether you're trying to refurbish a cult classic or just fix up your daily driver, they have the parts for you. Listen, my dad was able to replace his old Santa Fe taillight just by going on, typing in the Hyundai, the year, the model, the make, and of course, you're not going to be able to beat the low, low prices. So go visit RockAuto.com and type in locked on on the how'd you hear about section so they'll know that we, that means me and John, sent you. It's amazing selections, reliably low prices, and all the auto parts you will ever need. RockAuto.com is the place to be. And this episode of Locked on Aggies and Locked on Mizzou is brought to you by betonline.ag. College football is in full swing. The NFL is back in action. And we're getting closer to the NL and the ALCS championships to see who will be taking home the Commissioner's Trophy in the World Series for 2021. So go to the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. 
BetOnline.ag gives you the best buyouts, the best bets, the best wagers, and they give you up to 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, for a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. From college to NFL to NBA to NHL, back with On the Ice and UFC making a full swing right at it. Stop seeing the sidelines and get into the action now with BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies and locked on Mizzou right here. Thank you for making both of us your first listen every single day. Now, you got to make it your second listen. John and I both call the SEC home, so you got to go make sure you listen to Locked on SEC. For Sports Talk 90s, Chris Gordy, who makes out all 14 teams, college basketball, college baseball, and of course, the race for the college football playoff. And who is going to be taking home the SEC trophy at the end of the year? Subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. John, let's play a little word game, if I may. I'm going to ask you about three questions. I want one word of what AM fans need to know about this Mizzou team. Eli Drinkowitz is. Uh, wow. One word. Innovative. Oh, I like that. Uh, why? I mean, you got to give me at least a reason why. Uh, you know, I think he's just a good offensive mind. I think you just see, you know, you look at Missouri right now. One of the best things you gave a lot of statistics about Connor Bazelak. I think the best thing they're doing offensively right now is when they get it in the red zone, they are punching it in. And a lot of that is in no small part to Eli Drinkwitz and his play design and play calling, in my opinion. See some cool shovel passes, you know. Lots of jet motion, just, you know, good stuff, in my opinion. The results speak for themselves. Two more. Connor Connor Basilek can be productive if, and I'll give you more than one word. You can go ahead. (laughs) If he has enough time to throw. If he has one word, I'll go protection. Mm, Okay. I I like that. So, I mean, because how many times is he, like, is he under pressure as much as it looks like? You know, it depends on the opponent. Um, I, I thought... Against Tennessee, he was definitely under more pressure, I think, than he's been all season. And a lot of that was really just missed blocking assignments when I went and looked back on it. Not to, you know, discredit Tennessee, but I just thought there was some some weird confusion there just in terms of, oh, we'd, we'd slide the protection left once and then yet they'd leave somebody unblocked on the right side and just give him a free run at the quarterback. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think Missouri can be better than what they showed a couple weeks ago. That's for darn sure. All right, last one. The defensive player who will have the biggest impact on the game is? Well, if Missouri is going to win, I think it needs to be Trey John Jeffcoat. He's a guy that was second team all SEC coming into the season. And so far, he just hasn't been that productive, quite honestly. And it's not just sacks. We all know sacks can sometimes be a tiny bit on the fluky side statistically, but if you're getting pressures, now that's really where the money is. That's where the consistent action is. Well, Jeff Code hasn't really been doing that either, but you know what? Last week against North Texas, he kind of showed some some signs of life, probably had his best game of the season so far. So to me, if you see Jeff Code, if you're hearing his name multiple times, Missouri's got a better chance. All right, so I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I was a huge Tyree Gillespie fan. I loved his range. I loved his ability when he was coming out in the NFL draft. Have you guys been able to replace him on the back end? 
Well, you know, Jalen Carlisle has done a pretty good job at the free safety spot. Um, you know, I think he's been pretty darn good. I, I really do. But yeah, no, Gillespie has been a very good player. Carlisle definitely had a rough one against Tennessee. But again, everybody on that defense just about had a rough one against Tennessee. But other than that, I, I think he's been a darn good player. So, so far, so good, really, at that spot. It unfortunately happens. All right, John, what you got for me? Any questions about Texas a and that you want to know going into this game? Well, actually, yes. One thing is I noticed that during that ball game last week, one of the big deals for Texas A&M is they got a lot of pressure on Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback. And a lot of that was through blitzing, some creative blitzing. Do you think that's what the Tigers are going to see this week too? Do you think they're going to come after Connor Bazelak? I wouldn't be shocked, and here's the main reason why. Because if there are plays where DeMarvin Leal, who mostly plays inside as a four-eye technique, will line up on the edge. They will sometimes bring McKinley Jackson or Jaden Peavy in if they're running a nose, ta a nose tackle formation where they're running with a more six defensive backfield set. They will have Leal actually line up on the outside. He will work his way inside to the guard, get pressure right at that A-gap, and you'll have him and McKinley Jackson both basically attacking the outside and the inside shoulder of the center. That's something that I think uh, Bayslock has to definitely watch out for. The other thing is a lot of stunts. There was a lot of stunts run last week. Michael Clemens did a fantastic job working in to out, working back up. Uh, you also saw Tyree Johnson. He was an SEC Defensive Player of the Week for a reason. Two big sacks. One of the best plays was just bulldozing over Chris Owens and getting pressure into that backfield right away. Bryce Young couldn't even see the play before it unfolded. There is a lot of ways that this team can work. And the biggest thing is that you want to expect this defensive line to be so good because of they didn't really lose anybody. They really returned a lot of key starters. The only guy they lost was Bobby Brown, and they replaced him with a guy who saw significant snaps towards the end of the season in McKinley Jackson. They also have Isaiah Rakes. They have Dallas Walker. They have Fadil Diggs. They have Danelle Harris. Uh, they have guys like um, Michael Clemens and, of course, Tyree Johnson who are coming off the edge. And then you have DeMarvin Leal, the prized possession of Texas A&M defensive line arguably going to be a top 10 pick next year. There's a lot of different stunts that you could see run by Mike Elko in this defensive line. I don't know how many you'll see based off the coverage. I'm not sure if depending on the uh, Eli offense that they see, they may be running a lot of six defensive backfield sets. So you could be seeing a lot more three-man approach where they have a blitzing linebacker like an Edger and Cooper. But those are some things that you're going to have to want to see for sure. I like that the name Edgerin has now made it into like young people now. Edgerin, Edgerin yeah, kids are old enough now. Yeah, Edgerin James could have been yeah your daddy or something like that. I love it. I, I that's was great, a, I but... was a child when he was when he exactly. was like at his prime. So like exactly. that's, that makes me feel great. <laughs> right, but but seriously though, Leal, your possible top ten defender there. I noticed he went down in the Alabama game. I think he came back. Is he okay? Oh, yeah, he's fine. Uh, okay. Jayden, so Jaden Peavy. Any, any other one. injury updates for the Aggies? Jaden Peavy was one who uh, was injured at some point. He did come. Uh, he did not come back in the game. He will be active. He is practicing this upcoming week. Uh, Chase Lane was very limited. He was injured for most of uh, the first two games after it was uh, Arkansas. He got injured halfway through that game. He's now back into the starting lineup. Caleb Chapman, the vertical threat that DeMond Demas has been taking over for still is day-to-day. -day. They don't know his status completely. And Jameer Johnson, the actual left tackle, the guy who's been playing that left tackle spot, was actually held out due to disciplinary reasons. They did not give a specific reason why. 
He is expected to be back. He is expected to be working with the first team unit. Uh, it will be very interesting to see if Jimbo, though, goes with Blake Trainer at guard, Kenyon Green at left tackle, based on the success you saw against Alabama, though. So the line over at betonline.ag is Missouri getting eight and a half points. Of course, the Aggies are the favorites. I assume you think Texas A&M is going to win, Cole, but what do you think? Closer than the experts think, or are we looking at a blowout here? I think it really matters based off the offensive line and the run blocking. I mean, I don't mean to just continue to harp on this, but when you're the worst FBS run defense in the league, it's one of those things where we got to kind of talk about it. And this is a team that does have two running backs who both could be a thousand yard rushers on any given offensive line. So you put them with say George's offensive line. One of them's winning the Heisman like that. Like that's just the way that it's going to go because both of them can be so dang successful at what they do. But with this offensive line, you don't really know what to make of it. So if you can get the run established pretty early and not just like from the third from the three yard line, if you can get it established from say the four like from the 40 yard line and you can get a couple of big time runs and you can actually extend plays on the ground, yeah, I do think that you will actually beat that eight and a half spread. But if not, you may be relying a lot on Zach Calzada, who I don't know, was this just a performance of a lifetime? And then he goes back to bippity-boppity pumpkin that he was, or is he actually going to be starting something very similar that we saw with Johnny Manziel in 2012? Is that going to be the case? Those are a lot of questions. The run game, though, has to be established. This is something that Jimbo Fisher has talked about. He's harped on. The team is frustrated with not being able to move the ball on the ground. If they can't, I do expect them not to cover. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a pretty, I'm, I'm pretty much there with you. And yeah, it's definitely it, it, what A&M wants to do that they want to run the football. Well, this might be your week. I'll say that, but I do think it's interesting. How, how much does Cal, Calzada actually keep the ball, like say on a read option, because I think that could potentially be a big deal. If Missouri really stacks the line of scrimmage and he's not a threat at all, you know, again, he got a little banged up last week. Maybe that affects his ability to run. I think that could potentially be a big deal. What do you think, Cole? I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't. I do think that when you look at the quarterback situation, no Haynes King still, there is no, the, the prognosis for him would be the earliest after the bye week. So start of November, uh, you cannot trust Blake Bose just because of he hasn't seen any live reps whatsoever since the start of the season. So that's a big concern for this A&M program. So you have to be very careful with running with Calzada. I do think that he is a lot healthier than what he was. I mean, you got to remember, Playing Alabama is like playing an actual Crimson Tide. You're fight, you're facing a tidal wave every single play. And that defense still is one of the best in college football to this point. He wasn't pressured, but man, when he would take some hits in the open field, if he was ever clipped, I mean, those are some things that come your way at multiple times. I would be very cautious with him this week, but I do think that he is a lot healthier than probably people are looking at or across the you know greater scheme of things. But that doesn't give it a reason for me to go ahead and just say, hey, let's go ahead and run it 50 times with you, brother. Like, let's go out there and go ahead and strike the ball. If I'm him, if I'm keeping a read option, it's on like a third and three. It's like on a second and four. I'm trying to just pick up that first down and I'm sliding. As soon yeah. as I get that first down, die down, like down immediately. I'm not letting anybody come near right. me. I'm, I'm basically trusting my legs to get that first down. And I am Derek Jeter sliding, sliding the hole. Like, that's what I'm doing. Right. And if it's second and four and you're about to get hit, it's okay to slide short of that first down marker. Live yeah, to fight. Live to fight another day on third down, too. No, I, I agree with you there. Well, Cole, unless you have anything else for me, I think we should probably wrap it up here. What do you think? 
I think we're good on this end. I really do, because I got to make sure that I give my score prediction tomorrow on Locked on Aggies, and I don't want to give it Perfect. away right now. I didn't want to pin you down. You notice how clever I was there? That's called a pro right there, my friend. That is called so, a pro right there. Hey, thanks thanks for coming on. And uh, so for Cole Thompson, you can find him at Twitter, at Mr. Cole Thompson. You can find me at Locked on Mizzou. And yeah, thanks a lot for making us your first listen today. We really appreciate it. Make your second listen again. How about Locked on SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports 790? Guy gets a lot of great guests. I'm really jealous. I got to be honest. So he does. Definitely, definitely check that out. So again, for Cole Thompson, I'm John Miller, and this has been a crossover episode of Locked on Mizzou and Locked on Aggies. Hey, give me off. Go Tigers. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.